This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We've got two lengthy shows tonight, so I'm limited with my comments, except to say we begin with a show that, when asked, listeners tell me it's one of their favorites. Here's Dragnet, starring Jack Webb, and a show that was first heard in 1949. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. NBC brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to narcotics detail. For more than two months, doctors' offices have been burglarized, hospital pharmacies pillaged, drugstores robbed, medical supply firms ransacked, with one purpose in mind the theft of narcotics. The criminals are expert, cunning, vicious. Your job, get them. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime, investigated and solved by the men who unrelentingly stand watch on the security of your home, your family, and your life. For the next 30 minutes, transcribed in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Thursday, March 23rd. It was windy in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of narcotics. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Ed Backstrand, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. I was on my way back from the record bureau, and it was 10.35 p.m. when I got to room 24. Narcotics detail. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll be right over. Thank you. Get anything, Joe? Nothing we don't know already. How about you? That was the county hospital on the phone. Doc Wells. Pretty fair lead. I told him we'd be right over. What's he got? One of our informants. Benny Trounsel. Ready? Let's go. What's with Benny? Bad shape. Somebody worked him over. They found him in an alley off of South Main. Yeah? Doc says clowns will talk before he passed down. Anything good? He claimed he knows who's running the new dope racket in town. Says they got him. Now, let's take the stairs here. Why should they bother with small fry like Benny? That's what I'm wondering. Blackmail, maybe. Benny's still on the needle? Maybe that accounts for his story. Doc says his skull is fractured. Morphine doesn't do that to him. Yeah. Benny mention any names? I don't know. Doc didn't say. Here's the garage. Come on. When did they pick up Benny? About an hour ago. He had a pocket full of bindles on him. Heroin. Trounsel's small fry. He never had that much dope on him in his life. That's what makes it interesting. Let's go. County Hospital? Yes, sir. The line is busy when you wait. Thank you. Can I help you, gentlemen? We'd like to see Dr. Welsh. She's expecting us. Your name, please? This is Sergeant Romero. My name's Friday, police officer. Oh, yes. Around the corner to your left, room 127. The doctor's waiting for you. Thank you. Come on, Ben. I hope Benny's still talking. We could sure use a lead. Yeah. Here it is. 127. Hiya, Ben. Joe? How are you, Doc? Anything new? Just left Trounsel upstairs. You think we can talk to him now? Won't do much good. He died about six minutes ago. 
For almost two years, Benny Trounsel, an addict himself, had been one of the most valuable informants Ben and I had in the narcotic gangs. More than once, he had helped us solve a case, but this time, if Benny Trounsel had any direct leads to the nerve center of the newest narcotic ring, he took them with him. Besides his dying accusation that the ring had gotten to him, he left behind only two small scraps of information. First, when he arrived at the county hospital, Dr. Welsh reported that Trounsel repeatedly muttered the name Patterson. Secondly, among the few personal effects found in his pockets was a good amount of heroin and a small piece of white paper with two words scrawled on it, Tucker Building. Benny Trounsel's body was taken to the county morgue and the next morning it was posted. At the coroner's inquest, the cause of death was listed as a brain hemorrhage induced by severe blows by a blunt instrument on the sides and base of the skull inflicted by a person or persons unknown. Besides Ben and myself, the only identification witness at the inquest was a woman who managed a rooming house in Benedict Alley, where Trounsel used to stay periodically. After the inquest, we questioned her briefly in our office. Miss Strutch, you say you can't remember any friends Trounsel had while he stayed at your rooming house? No, I can't. Besides, if I knew that man used dope, I never would have rented him a room. How long did he rent from you, Miss Strutch? About six months. I run a respectable house. I don't mind if my people drink a little now and then, but those dope users, no, sir. Did you know anything about Trounsel, Miss Strite? Where he spent his time, where he had his meals? No, don't serve at my place. Too much trouble. Most of the people eat at the Ace Lunchroom. Down the corner. Where's that, Miss Strite? Um, Grant and South Main. Right on the corner. You think Trounsel might have spent some time there? He might have, I don't know. Miss Strite, did Trounsel ever mention anyone by the name of Patterson? No. Patterson? No. And you can't recall any friends he might have had? He had any friends and never set foot in my house. That's all I know. All right, Miss Strike, thank you. Here's a card, ma'am. If you come across any information about Trounsel, we'd appreciate it if you'd call us. All right. that all? That's all, ma'am. Thank you. Well, bye. Goodbye, ma'am. Big help. Yeah, not even a good identification witness. You got those listings we made on the Tucker building? Yeah, yeah, let's see. Here it is. Let me have it, huh? Tucker Building, 7310 South Wilshire. I wonder what Benny Charlesle could have been doing out there. Shouldn't be too hard to check. It's a small building. Yeah. Six listings for the whole place. A couple of law offices, real estate guy, dentists, architect, and a doctor. One dentist, one doctor. Could be a lead. Maybe. Pretty thin. Friday, Romero. You got a minute? Yes, Skipper. Come on, Doc. Yeah. What do you got, Ed? Letters. Here's a sample. Now listen to this. Chief of Detectives, Ed Backstrand, City Hall, Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. In view of mounting wave of narcotic robberies, strongly recommend that your efforts to curb this lawlessness be redoubled. They all like that? All of them. They're mad. Can you blame them? Not a bit. We haven't got much to go on, Chief. The gang's pretty smart. All right, then let's be smarter. There's no law against it. Doing our best, Giver. Then make it better. I'm sick of that bunch, and I'm tired of these letters. And look at that record. In two months, 15 drugstores robbed, eight medical offices, two supply houses, two hospital pharmacies. Narcotics missing every time. Now, who's behind it? None of the old-timers. We've checked them out. Gone over every hype and mainliner we know of. All right, then get on the transients. New faces. Climb on every one of them that shoots the stuff until you get to that gang and break it. If you need help, holler. But get to that gang and break it. Do you understand? Okay, Skipper, we'll try. You dig up anything on that Trounsel case yet? Still checking out one lane. What? Slip of paper we found in Trounsel's pocket head. Said Tucker building on it, that's all. Just gonna check it out when you called. All right, hop on it. Fast. We got a lot of pressure on us. Keep in touch with the office. It was almost noon when Ben and I got out to the Tucker building. It was a two-story affair, comparatively small, very modern. We checked with the dentist in the building first, but he'd never heard of anyone by the name of Benny Trounsel. His records and appointment books proved it out. Well, that's one down, Joe. Yeah. Let's try that doctor's office now. What's his name? Let me see. Uh, oh, Springer. Dr. Fred Springer. He's on the second floor. Okay. There's a stairway down there. Come on. Pretty close to lunchtime. Might not be in. Maybe. Somebody should be there. We haven't got much time to play with. Yeah. Chief sure was up in there this morning. Here's the office. Fred Springer, M.D. Morning. May I help you, gentlemen? We'd like to see Dr. Springer, please. Do you have an appointment? No, we don't. 
Well, the doctor's not in at present. Would you like to make an appointment for later in the day? No, ma'am. We're police officers. This is Sergeant Friday. I'm Sergeant Romero. How do you do? I'm uh, Miss Turner. I'm the doctor's nurse. Then you must take care of the appointment and record books for the doctor. Yes, I do. Well, maybe you can give us the information we're looking for, Miss Turner. Did the doctor ever have a patient by the name of Trounsel? Benny Trounsel? Trounsel? Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't think so. Just a moment, old chap. Thank you. No. T-R-O-U-N-S-E-L, is that the way you spell it? Yes, ma'am. No. The name's not listed here. Uh, let me check the account book. No. Wait. That's funny. What's that, Miss Turner? Here in the back of the book in the doctor's handwriting. Look. Hmm. Tronsel, the black parrot. Certainly funny. I can't remember seeing that notation before. It must be fairly recent. Miss Turner, what kind of a clientele would you say Dr. Springer has? Oh, it's quite exclusive. Beverly Hills, Bel Air. That's where most of the bills are mailed. Can you recall seeing Trounsel in the office here, Miss Turner? Small man, thin, walked with a kind of a limp, not very well dressed? No, I don't think so. It doesn't sound like any of our patients. Would you show us the doctor's prescription list for the last two months? We'd like to check them. Well, I'm afraid I can't. Dr. Springer keeps it in the safe. He's the only one who has the combination. How long have you been with Dr. Springer? About ten months. Ever since he started his practice out here. Where was he before that? Philadelphia. I don't understand all these questions. Is there anything the matter? Just a routine check, Miss Turner. When do you expect the doctor back? About four this afternoon. He's out making home calls. All right. Here's our card. Would you ask him to call us as soon as he comes in? I'll do that. Thank you, Miss Turner. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Oh, say, Miss Turner, one more question. Yes? Does Dr. Springer have a patient by the name of Patterson? Oh, yes. One of the doctor's first patients, John Patterson. He lives out on East Beverly Drive. When we left Dr. Springer's office, we called R&I. There was no make on John Patterson. Ben and I drove over to see him just on a hunch. It didn't pay off right then, but it showed a little promise. When the maid came to the door of the Swank apartment, she told us Patterson was out for the day. We asked her about Patterson's occupation. She didn't know. We asked her about his friends, his business acquaintances. She could remember only two people visiting the apartment. One of them was Dr. Springer, apparently a constant visitor. The other, a tall, dark man who spoke bad English. We asked the maid how long she had worked for Patterson. She said ever since he moved to Los Angeles, about six months before. A few things started to fall into place, but it was strictly a guesswork operation. Ben and I got in the car and headed for the south end of the city to check out some of the places Benny Trounsel was supposed to have frequented. We met a stone wall from the Ace Lunchroom near Benny's former rooming house to the Black Parrot. No one was willing to talk. Threats didn't work and neither did promises. Ben and I gave up for the moment and headed back to the office. Pacific Ambulance 1, call to Alhambra is now code 3. Seems like Skid Row doesn't want any part of this one. Yeah, there's a bad feeling. Something's got him scared. Sure would like to know what it is. Or who it is. Yeah, I'd like Control to know the answer one, to that, too. Control 1, unit 80K. Control 1, unit 80K. Bust, Joe. Get it, will you? I got it. 80K to Control 1. 80K to Control 1. Go ahead. 80K. Call station 2511, code 3. 80K to Control 1, Roger, KMA 367. Wonder what that's all about. Well, let's find out. There's a drugstore. They ought to have a phone. Pull over, huh? You got a nickel? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Thanks. I'll be back in a minute. Five one one. Thank you. Chief of Detectives Office, Hannon. This is Friday, Mike. The chief there? Oh, yeah. Just a minute. Backstrand talking. This is Friday, Ed. What do you got? You tied up? Nothing big. Then check in as soon as you can. Got something good. What? You remember the stick-up at St. Agnes Hospital about a month ago? Pharmacy there? What about it? Two patrolmen picked up a user down near Union Station about an hour and a half ago. Yeah. Guy was way back in his heels. He had two vials of morphine on him. Vials had serial numbers. Good. Did they match out? Perfectly. Thanks, Ed. We'll be right in.
When Ben and I got back to the office at 3.52 p.m., we picked up Chief Ed Backstrand and went directly to the crime lab where Lieutenant Lee Jones analyzed the contents of the two vials taken from the suspect. Jones told us it was high-grade morphine. We went back to the office and double-checked the serial numbers on the vials with the crime report on the St. Agnes Hospital robbery. They matched. And there's a good break. These vials were in the loot when the gang knocked over the hospital 28 days ago. I stay on the trail and we'll crack that gang wide open. This the arrest report on the guy yet? Yeah. Picked him up in a bar off South Main. Who is the guy? A transient? Yeah, here it is, man. James Steiner, Phoenix, Arizona, age 37, transient laborer. Anybody talk to this guy yet, Ed? Not yet. He shouldn't be too hard. You better get on it. Right, Skipper. Come on, Joe. Check you later, Ed. What time you got, Ben? Let me see. Uh, 25 past four. A phone call for you, Ben. Yeah, who was it? Your wife. Wants you to pick up some aspirin and a bottle of nose drops for your kid on your way home. Oh, yeah, almost forgot. That's the only call we had, Mike? That's right. Thanks. Well, you got that Dr. Springer's number, Ben? Yeah. Uh, here it is. Uh, Crestview 55284. Five, Thanks. Nurse said he'd call us around four, didn't he? Yeah. Dr. Springer's office. This is Sergeant Friday down at the police department. Dr. Springer there? No, he isn't, Sergeant. He called in about 20 minutes ago and I gave him your message. He, he said he'd call you. All right, Miss Turner. When he comes in, tell him to call us. Impress on him. It's urgent. All right, Sergeant. I'll do that. Goodbye. Goodbye. No luck? I don't know. Just a hunch. He may be ducking us. Who are you calling now? State Medical Board. Maybe they can check us out on Dr. Springer. I put the call through to the State Medical Board and asked for a check on Dr. Fred Springer. They said they'd call back within the hour. In the meantime, we had James Steiner brought to one of the interrogation rooms for questioning. It was all talk. It's like I told the sergeant when they booked me. I, I don't know anything about this hospital, John. Sit down, Steiner. Oh, all right. Thanks. How long you been in the city, Steiner? L.A.? Oh, about a month. I came from Phoenix looking for work. Things pretty slow in Phoenix. Where'd you get the morphine? Huh? I said, where'd you get the morphine? The stuff? I bought it. Just for a pop now and then. I just play around with it. Just for kicks. Who'd you buy the vials from? Who? I don't know. A guy in a bar gave me a price. Which bar was that? Which bar? Uh, Black Paris. I, I'm not hooked. I, I just play around with it just for kicks. What'd the guy look like, Stoner? What did he look like? I don't know. Tall, I guess. Would you remember him if you saw him again? Remember? Sure. Talked to him a couple of nights at the bar. Was he on the stuff? Was he a hype? Hype? Yeah, maybe. Tall fella, Doc. You shooting the stuff? Shooting the stuff? No. No, I, I'm no mainliner. I never took in the veins of my life. I, I told you I'd do it just for kicks. Just a pop now, man. Take off your shirt. Let's see your arms. Huh? My arms? Come on, take it off. Well, Who are you kidding, Stanley? Your arm looks like a pincushion. I, I, I told you, just once in a while, just... The kicks, I'm not hooked on it. They found two vials of stolen morphine on you, Steiner. You can go two ways, hard or easy. Hard or easy? I, I told you I ain't done nothing. I, I bought the stuff. I, I use a cap or a bindle once in a while for kicks, but I'm not hooked. I bought the stuff, I tell you. Who was he, Steiner? Who sold it to you? Who? Oh, I told you, I met him in a bar, the Black Parrot. Who was he? He was tall. Dark, he gave me a good price. Come on, let's have it, Steiner. His name... I'm feeling sick. You got something for me? I'm sick. All right. Mike. Yeah, Joe. Get some milk. A couple of quarts right away. Okay. You ready to tell us, Steiner? Who was he? I'm sick. I'm sick. We're getting some milk for you now. Come on, you better talk. Max. That, that, that's all he said. Name was Max. He gave me a good price. I only take a pop now and then just for kicks. You think you could point him out for us? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I'm sick. I'm sick. Narcotics, Romero. Hello. This is Dr. Springer calling. You wanted to talk to me. Yes, we did, Doctor. And we've got a few questions we'd like to ask you. Oh, hold on just a minute, will you? Dr. Springer, Joe. All right, tell him we've got to see him tonight. We'll call him back later. Dr. Springer? Yes? 
Harris. Sorry, Doctor. We'll have to see you later on tonight. You be at home? Well, I have an appointment this evening. Uh, would you mind telling me what this is all about? Sure, Doctor. It's about a man named Benny Trounsel. Oh. I see. And if you don't mind, we'd like to check over your prescription list, will you? Yes. I'll cancel my appointment. You can contact me here at home. 1538 South Road. I'll be here all night. All right, Doctor. Thank you. We'll see you later, then. Uh, yes. Goodbye. Goodbye. What'd he say? All right? Yeah, it's all right. I'll buy that hunch of yours now, Joe. Hmm? Dr. Spranger, he knows who killed Benny Tronzel. I bet he knows why. When Mike Hannum came back with the milk, we fed it to Steiner, and then we put him back in his cell. We put in another call to John Patterson out on East Beverly Drive, but there was no answer. We left word with Hannum where we were going, and then Ben and I headed out for Dr. Springer's home. It was 7.35 when we pulled up into the driveway at 1538 South Road, a low, rambling, ranch-type home. We got out of the car and made our way down the path to the front door. A gray Persian cat followed us. The door was half open. We knocked, but there was no answer. Through the window, we could see the living room was dimly lighted. We went in. We found Dr. Springer sitting in a large carved mahogany chair in the dining room. The room was hung with draperies. He was slumped forward, face down on the dining table. There was a bullet hole in his right temple. On the floor near his right hand was a 32 automatic pistol. In the center of the dining table was a piece of white paper. Looks like he beat us. Yeah. Any names on that confession? One. Says he killed Trump. No, wait a minute. It says, uh, John Patterson, he forced me to this. What? I don't know. What's it look like to you? Here's another one. Norberg. That's all it says. Then he signed his name, Dr. Fred Springer. Ben, come over here and look at these. Mm, hypodermic needle. It works. This morphine? White powder. Could be. And he was on it himself. Looks like it. We'll find out when they post him. I'll get it. Yeah. Sergeant Friday there, please. This is Joe, Mike. What do you got? Can you talk all right there? Yeah, go ahead. Just got a kickback on your call to the state medical board on this Dr. Fred Springer. Mm -hmm. He's not a registered physician in the state of California. Besides that, his license was revoked in Pennsylvania two years ago. Illegal operations. That explains it. Notify homicide. Get the crime lab in the corner out here, will you? Looks like Springer shot himself. Okay, Joe, right away. We'll wait for him, but hurry him up, Mike. We've got a couple more places to check out tonight. Okay, Joe. See you later. Right. What's next, Patterson Place? I don't know. Maybe we ought to try Steiner first. Sounds good to me. Feels like we're getting close. Yeah, man. Real close. 12 minutes later, Homicide and the crime lab men checked in at the Springer house, and Ben and I checked out. We went back to the office and found Ed Backstrand waiting for us. We told him our story, and he sent two men out to keep an eye on the Patterson Place. Two other men went to work to try and track down the other name in Springer's confession note, Norberg. Ben and I went up to the county jail and picked up Steiner. The three of us started out to look for the man who sold Steiner the two vials of morphine stolen from the hospital pharmacy a month before. The man's name was Max. He was tall and dark. That was all we knew. The rest of it was up to Steiner. Two other men from the detail, Davis and Emerson, came along with us to take care of Steiner if anything went wrong. Our first stop was the Black Parrot Tavern. Davis parked the car in an alley down the street. Steiner, Ben, and I got out and walked the rest of the way. You understand what you're supposed to do, Steiner? Me? Yeah. I go in first and sit at the bar. You two will follow me. I sit at the bar, and if I see Max, I give you the sign. That's, that's okay, huh? That's right. Now, you don't try to break for it. Break for it? Me? I, I told you, I'm squaring with you guys. All right, Steiner. Go ahead. Let's hope it works, Joe. Yeah. There he goes inside. Come on. Now, look, try to grab one of the booths along the wall if you can, huh? Right. Here we are. The first booth, Ben, it's empty. Yeah. Oh, it's left to order at the bar. Waitress got a night off. Make it a couple of beers, will you? A couple of beers? Okay. Joe, throw a look at Steiner. Yeah, he's signaling. Must mean the guy putting on his coat over there. No, no, hold it, Ben. Really gets past us.
get Steiner back to the car. I'll tail the guy. You come after me. I didn't know how right Steiner was or how much we could trust him. All I knew was that the man I was following was tall and he was in a hurry. I followed him three quarters of a block before he turned in at a motel. He went to a cottage at the rear of the lot, let himself in, and closed the door quickly behind him. A minute later, Ben and the others pulled up in the car. Got him staked out, Joe. Steiner says that was Max. Let's make sure. Come on. Which one's the in? The one down at the end here. I'll be careful. You too. All right, here we are. Wait a minute, right there. no rear door. He's got to come out the front. Keep the door clear. You ready? All set. Cover me. Open up in there. Who is it? Police officers, open up. Just a minute. All right, Ben, give it back to him. Don't shoot him, come out. All right, throw your guns out first and come out with your hands behind your head and make it fast. Watch it, Ben. He's making a break. All right, mister. That's far enough. Get out of my way. Get out of Get my way. Get him, Ben. That's good, Ben. You all right? Yeah. He didn't mean it, Cover. He didn't mean it. He didn't know what he was doing. Well, that must be a good excuse, lady. A lot of people use it. Come on, Ben. Let's take him in. was 10 minutes past midnight when we got back to headquarters. Both the man and the woman were booked for violation of the State Narcotics Act, a felony. He gave his name as Max Jansen. In his luggage, we found 13 vials of morphine, large quantities of heroin, and a small amount of panopin. He gave us the names and addresses of six active members of the narcotics gang. He identified Dr. Springer as second in command. Just a few more questions, Jansen. Yeah, all right. Why did Springer kill Trouser? He had it coming. Johnson knew the score and he was blackmailing them, bleeding them white. Why didn't the gang take care of them? Boss said no rough stuff. Things were going too good. He warned Springer, but he wouldn't listen. All right, Jensen, just one more question. Who's the boss? Can I get off flight? State's witness? It might help. We can't promise you anything. Who's the boss, Patterson? Yeah. 138 East Beverly Drive? That's right. What about Norberg? How does he figure? It's the same guy. Patterson and Norberg, both the same. And what's his real name? Norberg. Tony Norberg. What's his front? He's legit, or used to be importing business. Where? Here. Got an office downtown. Do I get protection? Where's Norberg now? Home, out in Laurel Canyon. Do I get protection? I thought you said he lived out on East Beverly. His apartment, his home's out in the canyon. Where? What's the address? Do I get protection? You'll get protection. Winding Way. 860 Winding Way. All right, Friday. Romero. Take some men with you. All right, Davis, cover the back of the house. Levine, you cover the front. Come on, Ben. Yes? Mr. Norberg in. Who's calling? Police officers. Oh, come in, won't you? Thank you. Now get your hands up. Face the wall. You'll never make it, lady. The house is surrounded. Tony, get the stuff. It's our only chance. They'll cut you down, Norberg. All right, Jeannie, give them the gun. Don't be a fool. They're going to march out the door in front of us, right to the car. I'm not going, Jeannie. Try it if you want. I'm not going. All right, Tony, stay. Come on, coppers. You'll never make it, lady. I said move. Fast. All right, Ben, hit the dirt. She's going for the car. See if you can get those tires. Come on. Dan? Yeah. Norberg was smart. Must be the girlfriend. Guess so. Wonder why they start. Why do they get on the stuff, Joe? For kicks, Ben. None of them ever get hooked. Just for kicks. The story you have just heard is true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. 
Tony Norberg, alias John Patterson, was tried and convicted for possession of narcotics, robbery, and conspiracy, and was sentenced to the maximum term prescribed by law, each count to run consecutively. He died three years and 11 days after his arrival at the state penitentiary. You have just heard the ninth in a new series of authentic cases transcribed from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet is furnished by the Los Angeles Police Department. Tonight's program is dedicated to Chief Erskine Ert Fish of the North Sacramento Police Department, who on the night of August 11, 1935, gave his life so that yours might be more secure. Dragnet came to you from Los Angeles. Stay tuned for Life with Luigi, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for J. Carol Nash to wear the cloak of the little immigrant from Italy, Luigi Basco, Life with Luigi. From Chicago, we invite you to enjoy life. Life with Luigi, a new comedy show created by Cy Howard and starring J. Carol Nash with Alan Reed. A year ago, when Luigi Basco left Italy to start his new life in America, he promised his mother that he would write her and tell her about his adventures. So now, we look over Luigi's shoulder as he writes another letter to Mama Basco in Italy. Dear Mamma Mia, America is full of wonderful surprises. And yesterday is one more surprise for me. In Italy, if you want to grow a tree, it takes a couple of years. But here in America, it'll happen overnight. <laughs> Yesterday, I passed a big lot on a corner Halstead Street. It's empty. This morning, I passed the same lot, and the Mamma Mia is a whole forest of a Christmas tree. <laughs> I guess the soil in Chicago is a pretty good. <laughs> or maybe, fella, he used a special kind of seed because each tree she grow with a little price tag on a branch. <laughs> Right now is a big holiday excitement all over America. And the signs all over, they say, there's only four or more shopping days until Christmas. So shop for now. Hurry up. <laughs> I begin to hurry. Then I look into my pocket. For me, is no rush. <laughs> Pasquale, my countryman, who owns a spaghetti palace next to my antique shop, and who bring me to this country, he tried to give me a surprise yesterday. He invited me in his house. He hangs a six yards of mistletoe over the head of his fat daughter, Rosa. <laughs> then he tells me to kiss her. Mamma mia. It's more fun to kiss the mistletoe. <laughs> anyway, I'm not thinking about the Rosa right now. Is there no school this week for little kids? So my 12-year-old general manager, Jimmy O'Connor, he's having a good time. This afternoon, he comes back from a park and he says, What's on the fire, boss? You smell a smoke, Jimmy? I mean, what's cooking? It's a little early for supper. <laughs> no, boss. I mean, what's doing? Jimmy, please. If there's a three ways of saying the same thing, say it the right way first time. <laughs> All right, boss. I'll watch myself. And while you're watching yourself, watch English language too. Sometimes I don't know which one of us is a foreigner. <laughs> okay, boss. Hey, what you doing? What's that book? I'm just to buy what they call a ledger. So for New Year, we start the bookkeeping. What we really need around here is an efficiency expert. Who's that, Jimmy? Well, an efficiency expert is someone who keeps checking on you all the time. Oh. Tells you what to buy and not to buy. And keeps asking you to make more money. In America, that's called an efficiency expert. And Italy is called the wife. <laughs> Look, boss, you have to change your business methods. What do you mean? Well, like yesterday. You bought a chair for $30, right? Right. And you sold it for 20 Why? Keeps the merchandise moving. <laughs> but, boss, that's not good business. 
Take any other businessman around here. I guess you're right, Jimmy. That's the fellow on the next block. He buys all the things for $100, $200. Sells it for $8 to $900. But, boss, he doesn't sell antiques. He sells used cars. Same thing. <laughs> all right, Jimmy. Beginning tomorrow, I be good the businessman. No more buying, just the selling. What's wrong with starting today? Because I buy something else today. Oh, no, boss. Oh, yes, Jimmy. See, it's right in the window. That silver cup? Yes. How much? I buy it for $50. 50 Is it cheap? I call up Dr. Simpson from Museum. He's going to look at it. I think he's the colonial. But, boss, that only leaves us with $20 in the bank. What can you do with $20? Don't worry. I figure out some way to spend it. <laughs> it's a customer. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, sir. My name is Johnson. It's a fine American name. I'm a Luigi Bosco, fine Italian name. I noticed that silver mug in your window. How much are you asking for it? Too much. Well, it's for sale, isn't it? Sure. Jimmy. But Mr. Johnson wants to buy it. How do you know he wants to pay what I'm going to ask? Well, what are you asking for that mug? One hundred dollars. Fine. Oh, that's great. You sure you want to pay a hundred dollars? Yes. You're too anxious. How about a two hundred? <laughs> but you just said a hundred. What? You can't do that. Why not? Always the fellow who sells, he sells high price the first, and then the customer says a low price. I'm running my business different. I'm a starter with a low price, and then I go up instead of a customer coming down. <laughs> well, if I said okay to two hundred, your next price would be three hundred. That's right. That's ridiculous. Now we're getting it someplace. I've never done business with a man like you. That's because this is the first time of you in my store. Nobody's going to pay you $300 for that cup. I hope so. That's the way it's a 300 We can't both be crazy. <laughs> I explain to you, Mr. Johnson. I only buy this cup this morning. Well, what's that got to do with it? When I get a new thing, I like to keep for two or three months. Then maybe I sell. You're the first antique dealer I've ever seen who ages his own antiques. <laughs> Goodbye, Mr. Basco. Goodbye, Mr. Johnson. It's a pleasure to do business with you. Merry Christmas. Boy. I know what you're going to say, Jimmy, but don't worry. Is there going to be other customers? Like Uncle Pietro say, is the plenty of fish in the sea. The bigger the bait, the smaller the fish. The smaller the fish, the bigger the bait. What does that mean? I don't know. I think maybe Uncle Pietro is a drunk when he say that. <laughs> now, go in the back and wash your face, Jimmy. It's all dirty. I was playing football with the other kids. That's all right. No excuse. So go ahead and wash your face. Then I'll go out and play some more football. Well, maybe I'll polish up a cup. It's a wonderful old cup. Older than the United States. People is born. Fight. Die. But a smaller silver cup will live. Hmm. Maybe I become a philosopher instead of antique dealer. Luigi, my friend. Hello, Luigi. Hello, hello. Hello, Pasquale. Hey, what are you doing with a shaving a cup into your hand? It's an old mug from the time of Jefferson. It looks pretty smaller for Jefferson to shave as a mug. No, it's not for shaving. It's old colonial silver drinking a cup. What are you talking? A cup is a cup, that's all. But there's a big difference between cups. I explain. When the people run away from Europe a long time ago, they come here without a furniture, without anything. So when a fellow want a drink, he have no cup. What's the matter with the paper cups? <laughs> Pasquale, in the olden days... Never whenever... mind, Luigi. You in the olden days, uh, old antiques, that's the trouble with you. Everything in this place is old. Even you getting old. Can't help it. Is it not possible to get younger? <laughs> why I'm coming over to talk to you. I'm worried about your future, my little man. <laughs> I'm thinking about it, too. I'll save you the trouble. Because without a Pasquale, you've got no future to think about. Oh, no. No, Pasquale. In America, everybody have a future. Everybody except you. Your future, my little friend, is the past. Oh, no, Pasquale. Oh, yes, Luigi. But I'm going to give you a big future right now. See this little box? Yes. It's the Christmas present. Thank you, Pasquale. Don't attach. Luigi, in this little magic box is your whole future. 
is a magic box. Hmm. Yes. Don't attach. It's like a Pandora's box. You know who is a Pandora? I meet lots of people in my business. I'm not remembering all of the names. <laughs> no, Pasquale. It's all the Greek story. I explain. Since when do you speak Greek? I explain in English. Once who was a Greek lady Pandora, also was a Jupiter. All right, then never mind explain. Here, take the box. No, first I explain. Luigi, take the box. Okay. Now open up. No, Pasquale, I don't marry Rosa. Wait, wait. See what's inside of the box. Oh. It's wonderful. What is it? What is it? It's a wedding ring. Look at what's written inside. From Luigi. For Russia. Oh, no, Pasquale. It's not even for me. Take it back. I'm not going to marry Russia. You're not going to marry Russia? No. You said a no? Yes. Yes? No. Then here's the five cents. What for? You buy a newspaper. What for I need the newspaper suddenly? Because suddenly, Luigi, you needed two things. Job and a place to live. But, but Pasquale, I got a lease. Next month is a finish of your lease. But I'm going to pay my rent. Where you get it the month? If I don't sell antique, then you lend me money. I lend you money. Every month I'm lending you money to pay me my rent because you got a lease. <laughs> Luigi, from now on, is a no more lend a lease. <laughs> but, Pasquale, my business. Business? You're making me laugh. Ha <laughs> ha. Business. Where's your customer? Only customer you got is a Greek lady, Mrs. Pandora. Everybody's doing a business. Grocery stores are selling, department stores are selling, even the post office is selling them all stamps this year to the last. But you... Business is a little slow right now. Slow is a boulevard stop. <laughs> now, Luigi, my friend, I'm going to do you a big favor. I'm going to throw you out. <laughs> then maybe you find a job in some new business. I don't know any business. Then I give you a chance to fill in a restaurant a business. That's a business. People always eat, and that's a necessity of business. Not the like of antiques. Last night, I have 200 people eating a supper in my place. 200 people? It's against the fire law to have more than 100. Not to when the 200 people is the 200 firemen. <laughs> All the night long, my wife, Teresa, she's a cooking, and I'm a carrying a spaghetti, ravioli, minestrone. She's a cooking, and I'm a carrying, I'm a carrying, and she's a cooking. It's at 2 o'clock in the morning before I get a chance to eat. Was the food good? Who knows? So we go eat at a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> you make a lot of money last night, huh? You betcha I make money. I make money all the time. But you, you never gonna make any money. Please, Pasquale, give me a little time. I sell antiques. I advertise in the paper. I'm gonna advertise on the radio. Antique business is no good. Maybe I don't go into other business. What? Maybe I get a job teaching English to foreigners. You're a foolish man, Luigi, but Pasquale, your friend, knows the way to clear all of your problems. And you have a Merry Christmas if you marry. What do you say, my son? Goodbye, Papa. And now for the second act of Luigi Basco's Adventures in Chicago, we turn to page two of his letter to his mother in Italy. So, Mamma Mia, maybe Pasquale's right. Maybe I know run and think a business is good. So I have a big talk with myself, and now I'm going to be a first-class business man, just like other Chicago fella, Mr. Sears the Robot. <laughs> I'm going to sell everything in my store. And if a customer don't pay me his price, or if he don't pay me my price, I compromise. I sell it to his price. Also, I'm not going to be afraid of Pasquale anymore. So I go right the way over to see him. 
Pasquale, I'd like to see you. Not for now. I'm busy with important affairs. Run along, a little antique man. I'm coming to see you later. Okay, Pasquale. <laughs> Go ahead, Mr. Johnson. Before we interrupt you, that's the fella. You know him? Sure, I'm bringing him to this country. I'm his landlord. He's my best friend. He's a very peculiar guy. I hate him. I'm going to throw him out. <laughs> Before you do that, get me that silver cup he has in his window. I'll give you one of my cups, Mr. Johnson. No, no, no. I was in there and offered him $100 for it. You want to spend $100 for that the mug? Yep. I'll get you all the mugs in the Chicago you want, $50 a piece. <laughs> I'll even go to 125 125 I bet it don't cost that much when it's a brand new. Well, naturally. The older an antique, the more it's worth. I've done you a couple of important favors, Pasquale, and... Oh, sure you help me with my license? Are you a friend of the judge? I want to give that cup to my wife for Christmas. She's nuts for cups. <laughs> Mr. Johnson, you go home. I buy it for you. And don't worry. Soon your wife is going to be nuttier than ever. Okay. <laughs> now call me as soon as it's in your hand. <laughs> Luigi, my friend. Hello, Luigi. Hello, hello. Hello, Pasquale. I'm sorry I was busy when you come in. What do you want to see me about? Please, Pasquale, maybe you change your mind about the lease. Maybe you don't push me out. Push you out? Who's going to push you out? You. You don't remember? I hear you with my own eyes. <laughs> Must be another Pasquale, Luigi. It's impossible. It can't be two Pasquales. Oh, you're wrong, Luigi. It's a big tragedy in my life because it is the two Pasquales. Luigi, I'm a little double life. I'm a man with two faces. Must be extra work when you shave in the morning. I don't make a father, Luigi. It's really two Pasquales. He's the one Pasquale who's a mean, a selfish. All the time he's a hollering, pay me my money or marry a rose. That's for you. Then is the other Pasquale. He's a gentle fellow. He's a kind to people. He's a happy to lend a certain people money. Is it too bad that's the Pasquale he don't come to America? <laughs> Luigi, you must forgive me things I do sometimes. It only happens when the bad Pasquale he wins over the good Pasquale. Pasquale, you ever hear of a Dr. Jekyll? Where has he got his office? <laughs> Is the story, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. See, is the one man outside, but inside is a two. I explain. Please, Luigi, no explanation. I'm going to come over here now to help you out. You're going to help me out of store? Stop for this foolish talk. It's Christmas time. I was going to give you a little money. You're going to give me money? Sure. Here's the $25. Take it before Mr. Hyde he grabs it back. <laughs> No, Pasquale, I know can take money just like that. It's no use being a proud Luigi. I'm your countryman, your friend, a take. But how I pay you back? Well, if you feel that way, maybe you sell me antique for my money, huh? Then it's a strictly a business deal. I never think you're interested in statues. No, not a statues. I'm thinking about that cup you have at the window. What the for you want to that cup? I'm very much interested in that cup. Oh, sure. It's all the colonial. Maybe even a Washington sip a little wine from that cup. Ah, George Washington, eh? Then I tell you what I do. I put this cup in my window, and I put up a little side. George Washington sip here. <laughs> it's a nice idea, Pasquale, but I'm paying $50. I'm losing the money if I sell for $25. I'm only sorry for you for $25 a word. Then I don't sell. Okay, I give you $50. When Pasquale is you want to help a friend... Expenses are no object, as long as it doesn't cost the money. <laughs> Why do you suddenly want to buy this cup? I love antique cups. Since when? Since uh, before. What the happened? Luigi, you ever catch me telling the truth before? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Luigi, I'm going to come clean. He's a big political fellow, Mr. Johnson. He's to do me lots of favors. Uh-huh. He's bringing lots of customers into my store. Oh. I promise him a cup for his wife. I'm sorry for you, Pasquale. 
Luigi, if I don't get this copper for him, I'm a ruiner. Mr. Johnson, he don't do me favors. He's your friends, and they all stop eating in my place. Then what? They eat in a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> but I'm going to go bankrupt. I'm going to kill myself. Goodbye, Pasquale. It's <laughs> the last straw. Comes at the end of the month, out. There's a no more antique stores. It's going to be Schultz as a delicatessen. <laughs> no more antiques, the hot dogs. I'm going to fix... How much of this a politician, a fellow he offered for cups? Hundred dollars. You tell her the truth, to Pasquale? Luigi, would I lie for $25 a drop in it? <laughs> How do you suddenly make a $25 profit? It's just simple. Mr. Johnson, he's offered $100 for the cup. I'm going to give you $75. You make a $25, I make a $25. It's a 50-50. What do you say, Luigi? And take a cup and I'll cost $100. But Luigi, you pay $50 for a cup of this morning. Why is it suddenly $50 a more? Antique is now eight hours older than it's worth more. <laughs> All right, Luigi, I'm never going to forget this. Here, here's a hundred. It's a one the condition. Pasquale, you ever hear of a bill of rights? I'm not interested in your bills. It's not to my bill, it's a government bill. All right, so when they send to me, I pay. No. <laughs> you, don't, you don't understand. Bill of rights is from old days. You ever hear of a Jefferson? Sure, sure. It's a street here in the Chicago. <laughs> no, not that the one. Thomas Jefferson, he's the right to this, the Bill of Rights. I explain. Oh. See, Pasquale, after the Revolutionary War, they make a first the Constitution. I don't care what they make. I'm interested in the cops. So, Mr. Jefferson, he say, must protect the people. Must guarantee... Luigi, when I'm a one a history lesson, I'm going to go to the newsreel of the theater. <laughs> What's the Bill of Rights got to do with a cop? If you want to buy cups, then you sign Luigi Bosco Bill of Rights. Okay, I sign. First, first I must write. Right. First, freedom of a press. Freedom of a press? Means you must never press me to marry Rosa. <laughs> sign the hill. Okay, I sign. And now sell me the cup. Next is the freedom of a speech. What's that? Means you're free to make a speech to me about anything except the Marina Rosa. <laughs> Luigi, that's a very hard condition. I'm a Rosa's a papa. If I'm going to ask you to marry her, who's going to ask you? Sign up, Pasquale. How's about I'm only can ask you on a Sunday? <laughs> well, okay. I make amendment, Pasquale. You promise you'll never ask me to marry Rosa, especially on a Sunday. <laughs> sign here. Okay, I sign. Now the cup. Wait a Pasquale. Now I hang up for Luigi Bosco Bill of Rights next to this picture of a Jefferson. Well, you can see it all of the time. All right, all right. Give me the cup. First, give me the hundred dollars. Here. Thank you, Pasquale. I'm a really good businessman, no, Pasquale? <laughs> You're improving, Luigi. <laughs> Buddy, you still got to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning to beat a Pasquale. Now, I'm going to sell this a cup for $125. So how you like that? Eh? Mamma mia. Mind if I use your phone, my good business friend? Ah, bravo, Figaro, bravo, bravissimi, fortunatissimi, fortunatissimi, fortunatissimi. Hello, Mr. Johnson. <laughs> Pasquale, I got a good news. I buy the cup for $125, but I'm a got to sign of my life away to get this. What do you say, Mr. Johnson? Ah, huh? <laughs> You don't want the cup? <laughs> Your wife has a new hobby? Collecting $100 hats? <laughs> no, I'm no angry, Mr. Johnson. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> Goodbye. Luigi, my friend. Well, Pasquale, you still own beautiful antique cups. Sure. Just do what I need for my restaurant. <laughs> I'm going to serve a five cent of coffee in a hundred dollar cup. <laughs> I hope for my customers that they choke. <laughs> Here, Luigi, buy back your cup. How much do you want for it? What do you mean, how much? The same price I pay, $100. I give you $75, Pasquale. It's now second to hand. Luigi! <laughs> give me 
$100. If I'm a seller for $100 and buying it for $100, there's no profit. No, I give you $75. Is this your best price? <laughs> Is it $25 more than I paid for it? Okay. Here. Now, here's the $75. You come in again at some time, Pasquale. It's a pleasure to do business with you. <laughs> Mr. Bosco. I'm Luigi Bosco. Yes, I'm Dr. Simpson, the oh. curator at the museum. You telephoned me this morning. Oh, yes. It's a pleasure, Dr. Simpson. Where is the car? It's right here. Yeah. Oh, yes. This looks authentic. I'll just take it back here into the lines. Luigi, who is this fellow? It's Dr. Simpson. Is a friend of Dr. Jekyll? <laughs> he, he's a curator. What does he cure? Nothing. <laughs> then why you call him a doctor? He's a know about antiques. Oh, then he's a cure antiques, eh? <laughs> this cup looks to me as if it might have been made by Benjamin Bird. Uh, who's this uh, Benny Bird? <laughs> One of our early silversmiths. Oh, it's a priceless piece, Mr. Vasco. How much? Well, I wouldn't want to say exactly, but I can tell you this. The museum would give a lot to own this one. Here, Mr. Basque. Luigi, take your hands off of my beautiful cup. So it belongs to you. I'm buying this cup of backer from you, Luigi. Here's your $75. Oh, no, Pasquale. Every time I sell you the cup, is $100, remember? <laughs> is it worth $100, Doctor? Well, all I can tell you, sir, is that if you love silver... This cup is extremely precious. Suppose I don't love the silver. How much is it worth? <laughs> I only appraise these items for their artistic value, not their monetary worth. But I would say that it's worth... Well, never mind, Doctor, before Luigi changes his mind. Here's $100, Luigi. Give me the cup. Okay, Pasquale. Now, Doctor, say as much as you like. I'm listening. <laughs> Oh, you're a lucky man, Mr. Pasquale. Okay, what's your bid? But, Mr. Pasquale... Uh, $500? Mr. Pasquale, our museum would love to own this cup if you were willing to donate it. <laughs> what's the mean, donate? <laughs> That's a for dunking, donate? Is that... <laughs> no. No, Pasquale. Donate is the meaning you give the museum of the cup for free. Free? What do you think? Pasquale's crazy? <laughs> Just to think, Pasquale. Every day, thousands of people, they go to the museum just to see your free cup. Is there no Pasquale cup there? As you wish, Mr. Pasquale. Well, Please, please, Dr. Simpson, just one minute. Pasquale. I'm not listening, Luigi. Pasquale, inside you now is Dr. Jekyll, and he fights with Mr. Hyde. This fight, I'm betting on Mr. Hyde. <laughs> Pasquale, it's a big mistake. You rich fella, you give a museum of this cup. It's a wonderful thing for all Italian people when you do this. It shows them you're kind man, a good man. And every day, it's thousands of people, they see your name on a little piece of bronze under the cup. Hmm, little piece of bronze. Uh, doctor, maybe next to my name you put something else? What would you like us to add, Mr. Pasquale? Uh, just to say, uh, this is a beautiful cup donated by Mr. Pasquale, 23 North, the whole state of street, special this week, a blue plated dinner, two and a quarter. Mamma mia! <laughs> Mamma Mia, I'm making a little money. So Jimmy and I, we're going to have a nice Christmas. Maybe we go ice skating in the lake. Rosa, she says she want to go too. But if she fall once, there's no more ice skating a season. <laughs> it starts the rowing a season again. <laughs> anyway, Mamma Mia, I'm wishing you a very Merry Christmas. Is the most wonderful sound in the whole world when a church bells ring 
And the people every place, they shake hands and they say, Merry Christmas. Across the ocean, Mamma Mia, I send you best wishes for Merry Christmas and the peace on earth. P.S. Your loving son of Luigi, the little immigrant. Life with Luigi is a Cy Howard production that is written by High Class and Cy Howard and stars J. Carol Nash over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, we'll wrap up the week with The Adventures of Ellery Queen, followed by Fibber McGee and Molly. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.